Our uh, series that we're just finishing up is called Heart for the Harvest. So that includes everybody. Everybody is going to be included, should be included in God's harvest. So um, my message today is uh, going to be a little bit different. But before we begin, let's pray, bow our heads, commit this time to the Lord. Father God, our life and times are in your hands. Every moment of our life, Lord, you are aware of. And the time we spend here is very precious. I believe you want to speak to us. So, Holy Spirit, open up our ears to hear, our hearts to believe, and our feet be ready to put it into action. For your glory, Lord, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I believe that the greatest symbol of what God did for us when he sent his son Jesus is the cross. The cross, what a fantastic symbol. The cross is a symbol of freedom, freedom from sin. The cross is a symbol of forgiveness, hope, hope beyond this life. And it's a, it's, and it's a, it's a symbol of, of our salvation, of an abundant life that we can have here and now, and of the hope that we have in heaven. You know, the purpose of this series is really simple, and that is to tell everybody what Jesus did. Tell everybody in our city, everybody in our region what Jesus did. Tell them all about Jesus. Mark chapter 16, 15. And Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to who? Everyone. First Timothy 2, 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there was one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for who? Everyone. And Paul said in Romans chapter 116, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew, then the Gentile. The first purpose of the, of the series is to, to tell everybody about Jesus and also to tell everybody in our city, in our region, about, our, about church and about our church. If you read the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, you, you, you see people getting saved. People were saved and immediately they were added. Saved and added. Saved and added. In fact, people, no one was saved and not added to the church immediately. In fact, if you weren't added to church, you were not considered to be a believer in Christ. Did you know that? No one was saved and added to the church because I believe that the greatest gift that God gave mankind apart from His Son, Jesus Christ, is the church, His body, His family. The church is the hope of the world. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. Paul says the church you see is not peripheral to the world. No, no. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. And that's why we want you to tell your friends and your family all about church and our church. No, what would happen if all of us just brought 
one person, just one more, to church, what would happen? You know, we'd be way too small. Even now, you know, we'd have to go to two or three services. And I believe we will. The title of the message today is called Today is the Day. Today is the Day. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Do you recognize these kids? <clears throat> Anybody recognize them? <clears throat> just a part of our family, right? But now, what's happened to them? <laughs> They've grown up. They've grown up, and now they're raising beautiful family, beautiful children of their own. Isn't that incredible? You know, and many of you parents, we're, we're proud grandparents, but many of you parents probably feel the way about your kids. You, you, you see their kids. I mean, they're just, I mean, I can't even remember when they were that small, that young. And now they're grown up, you know, and, and it's incredible, isn't it? And we're spreading out. Many of you can feel that language, you know. Trevor, you guys, you know, you know all you guys, you, you, you're fat. It's amazing what God can do. And, but we're focused on the time here. We, you know, you, 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 look and you look at time, you think, wow, where has the time gone? I mean, time flies when you're having fun. No, but honestly, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to push a pause button because now time... It's going way too fast. There's one thing I realize, and I think we should all realize, is we don't have much time. We don't have a lot of time. So let's talk about time. Point one. Time is the only commodity that you cannot get more of. Isn't that true? You can get every other commodity. You can't get more time. Some truths about time. You have only so much of it, the second truth, you don't know how much of it that you have. You don't know. James chapter 4, 14. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then just vanishes. So the Bible compares a lifetime to a breath, to a vapor, to a whisper, and then it just vanishes. Which leads us to point two. We've got one life to live. One life to give, to fulfill our purpose, and to make a difference. One life. And we think this life is going to go forever, but we never know how long it's going to be. In literature, there's a story of a, that's told of a man who opens his morning newspaper, and he discovers the date on the newspaper is six months into the future. And so he starts to read about events, that haven't even taken place yet. He opens, up, he opens up the sports page and he sees the scores of all the games have, that have yet to be played. He opens up the financial page and he sees the rise and fall of all these different stocks and bonds. And suddenly he realized, wow, I can make a lot of money here. Nope, just place a few large bets on an underdog team that is going to win that game and I can become rich or I can invest all this money into stocks that are low now but they're going to be high later on and I can fatten my portfolio. And he's excited and he's delighted 
And some of you are guessing the next page he's going to go to. Right? He goes to the next page, looks at his obituary column, and he sees his picture, and he sees his story. And suddenly, everything changes. The knowledge of his death totally changes his view of wealth and his life. You know, it's the same for us. We can work hard. We can make more money, right? But we can't take it with us. And it comes and it goes, doesn't it? You know, we can exercise. We can try to stay healthy to extend our lifetime. But listen, we really don't know how much time we have. And you don't know how much time people around you have. Only God knows that time. And he says in his word, Job chapter 12, verse 20, Job said, For the life of every living thing is in his hand, and the breath of every human being. Our life and our times are totally in his hands. Moses, think about Moses, one of the greatest men who ever lived. The guy who spoke face to face with God. He lived on earth 120 years and God took him. Remember that? And it was Moses who fulfilled. He was one of the the people, I believe, who fulfilled God's purpose in his life. In Psalm 90, verse 12, Moses says this. Lord, help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts that we may accept your correction. We don't know how much time we have. There are no guarantees. So therefore, we should cherish every moment. Try to enjoy every moment in time, shouldn't we? And, And to put purpose into every moment of our lives. Live. Don't let life just kind of happen to you. Live your life with purpose. Live your life on purpose, especially for God's purposes. Billy Graham was asked once what he was most surprised about life. And he answered, it's brevity. It's brevity. Life is short. Eternity is forever. And thank God I've got all of eternity because I put my faith and I believe in Jesus. Are you there too as well? You know, we we often say things like this. Well, I can't wait till the kids grow up. I I can't wait to retire. I can't wait for the next vacation. I can't wait for summer. You know, we we say those things. See, we don't think about eternity, which leads us to point three. What we do in this life echoes through eternity. You know who said that? The Gladiator. The movie The Gladiator. Great words, right? C.T. Studd, the great evangelist, the Christian English evangelist said it in these words. It's on your screen. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let me tell you a little, little bit, a little bit about C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was one of the greatest soul winners that have ever lived on this earth. He was an Englishman. He died in 1931 in the Belgian Congo. He was born into a very wealthy family. At a very young age, at 18, he became a professional 
cricketer, a cricket player, big sport in the UK. And he was one of the top, he could have been, he, was, he could have been the very best player in his time. He was an elite athlete, considered to be elite athlete. He was getting paid for it, he was professional, and he stunned the world. When he went, he left that profession, and he became a missionary, an evangelist to China, to Asia, and then he went to Africa. And he started Home for Africa Mission. Hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ through his ministry. C.T. Studd, when he was, he was just busy, enjoying his life of fame, wealth, comfort, and then... God spoke to him. Holy Spirit spoke to him one day. And at 24 years of age, he left everything. He left his family. He left his fame, his wealth, millions of dollars behind because God touched his heart for the harvest. Can God do that to you and me? Yeah. In his well-known poem entitled, only one life to live, only one life will soon be passed. He penned, he wrote out his experience as a, of his encounter with God. We're going to read that poem. It's on your screen. C.T. Studd wrote these words. <clears throat> Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soonest fleeting hours, be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Wow. Books have been written by C.T. Studd in the foreword of a book entitled C.T. Studd, Cricketer and Pioneer, is written these words. CT's life stands as some rugged Gibraltar assigned to all succeeding generations that it is worthwhile to lose all this world can offer and stake everything on the world to come. His life will be an eternal rebuke to easygoing Christianity. And he demonstrated what it means to follow Christ without counting the cost and without looking back. I love the words of C.T. Studd when he said these words. Some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. We have one life to live. And we may have only one opportunity to accept Christ. And that's why point four, that's why today is the day of salvation. People need to be saved today. People need to hear the gospel today because people need, be, need to be saved today. Would you agree with that? You don't know 
when that neighbor that lives beside you may move. You don't know whether they, they may go through some tragedy in their life. You don't know what's happening in somebody's, in your neighbor's house. You don't know what's happening to their marriage. You don't know what's happening to their kids. You don't know. You don't know when Jesus is coming back. And I tell you, he's coming back soon. I'm not sure how many years that would be or when that would be, but I know he's coming back. And Jesus said, no one knows the hour of my return. And you know what else? I say, we know. We just don't, we just don't have the time. We don't have the time to waste. And if God is speaking to the church, we don't have the time to waste. We don't have the time for Christians fighting. We don't have the time for useless arguments. You know? we, don't, we don't have, for, have the, t- the time for ladder climbing, position seeking, and for politics. Somebody should have shouted amen to that one, right? Why? Because eternity is on the line. We have a city to reach that's desperate. We have a region that's literally going to hell. You know, we have, we have one life, we have one chance, we have one today, and we have one tomorrow. Amen? John chapter 4, verse 35. It says, as the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is the harvest time. I believe he was shouting it out. Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a harvest. Everyone, and then he says, everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a, receive a what? A reward. I tell you, I want to work for his reward. Both those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the spiritual harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And then in Matthew 9, 38, Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Do you know that the average North American, he spends an average of one and a half hours every day on social media? Do you know that? Maybe not anymore because, Bill, because of Bill C-31, right? And, and the statistics say that the average North American spends five hours a day watching TV. Wow, that's a lot of Netflix every day. But how much time do we spend doing our devotions? How, many, how much time do we spend purposely loving our families? That's a good question. You know, I believe that God would say, go tell somebody about Jesus. You know, I look at my life, and honestly, I've let, I don't, I've, I've let a few people to Jesus, but, but way not enough. And I remember a while ago, sitting at home, and I saw it was in the evening, and I saw all these these red lights come up, and it was an ambulance that pulled into our next-door neighbor's yard, into his driveway. And my next-door neighbor, who's 75 years old, he had struggled with prostate cancer for a year, few years, and they took him out in a gurney to the hospital. The next day, I went to see him, and his heart was open, and I led him to the cross, and I led him to Jesus. Two days later, he never got home. But he went home to be with the Lord. Listen, Jesus did it all 
for us. He died on the cross. What more could he have done? And all we have to do, our part, all we got to do is share the gospel with with people. Preach the word. You know, I believe, and I thought about it as I was preparing this message, I, I believe that the we believers, that we Christians, we need to study, we need to meditate, and once again, we need to get right back and, and read about the stories of Jesus, especially those stories that talk about his encounters with, with different people. And, and, and I believe we need to do that because I believe that I have a feeling that we're in danger. And I believe, that, I believe that there are two dangers that we face as Christians today. The first one is this. The first danger is that most Christians only live alongside other growing Christians. And they're kind of quarantined. And I call it extreme separation. And if I were to ask you to give me a name of someone that you genuinely loved and you knew that was far away from God, there ought to be, immediately there ought to be, at least one or some people who come into your mind. Do you agree with that? I didn't hear a lot of amens there. See, we, we, we see in all the stories of Jesus, we see in all the stories that Christ, that Jesus literally sought off, sought, and he, and he spent quality time with people he knew were living far from God. And obviously, we're called to do the same, aren't we? And maybe there's someone here today and you're thinking, you know what? That's totally not my problem. Totally not my problem. Because most of my friends, they all kind of, they all kind of live like hell. They're all hell raisers. You know, and I'm, I'm happy with that. I just blend in. You know, that's the second danger. There should be something distinct about your Christian life. There should be something distinct about the way you handle yourself. About something distinct about your vocabulary, your sexual habits, your habits of generosity, your extensions of grace to people. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your lives should stand out as distinct and different from the rest of the world. Do you agree with that? Jesus did not blend in. He spent all kinds of time with sinners and tax collectors, and he never became one. So a question, how do we avoid living in these two extremes? Well, I tell you, it's not by your might, not by your power, but it's by, but it's by Holy Spirit. Every single believer, you're a born-again believer, and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can tap into, into the power that's within you. This power resides in every born-again, spirit-filled believer. And at any time, you can tap into that power. And it's just waiting for those who would exercise their faith and just relieve it, release it. We are to walk with Holy Spirit. We are to be holy. Be holy, the Bible says, because I am holy. Speaking to myself, too, as well. And the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, be anointed with Holy Spirit. Why? 
so that we can live and we can act like Jesus did. Jesus understood the time, his purpose, and he understood the hour. John chapter 17, verse 1. He looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the, your Son may glorify you. John chapter 12, 20, 27, Jesus said, My, to the Father, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Jesus understand, understood the value of time and the hour of his appointed time. And he lived his life with incredible purpose. And, and every single one of us have been born with a purpose, a God purpose. Every single one of you have a God purpose to live and fulfill. In my lifetime, I don't think there's anyone I respect more than Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Billy Graham, born to reach the harvest for Jesus. And here's some facts about some things about Billy Graham. He preached in person to over 250 million people in 185 countries. He led millions to Christ, millions of people to Christ all over the world. He was a spirit, also a spiritual guide to U.S. presidents. He was a friend to celebrities, politicians, and athletes such as Martin Luther King. He was named one of the most admired men in all the world, a record 58 times with the Gallup poll. His message crossed denominational lines, transcended age, nationality, and culture, and he preached the word of God for over 60 years. Wow. When I was a kid, I'd watch him on TV. I'd watch the altars fill up. Wow. Wow. You know, but after all that Billy Graham did, Billy Graham still has some regrets in life. He who said that the biggest surprise, the biggest surprise of life was its brevity. This is what he said. Here are some thoughts from Billy Graham. Things that he regretted, things that he could have done <clears throat> more of, and things he exhorts you and I to do today while we have time. Four things. Here they are on your screen. First thing Billy Graham said, and he tells us to do, love God as much as you possibly, as you can possibly love him. Love his word, love his presence, desire to be more like Jesus. Secondly, love your family as much as you can possibly love them. Love your wife, love your kids. You, have, you only have one chance at age three, five, 12, and so on. Number three, love your spiritual family as much as you can. Billy wishes he could have fellowship way more than he did. And number four, love your world. Love your world as much as you can by telling them about Jesus. Wow. There's one thing he had no regrets about. That was being an evangelist to reach the lost for Christ. Life is short. Eternity is forever. And that's why today is the day of salvation. Just read that scripture and we're done. 2 Corinthians 6.2 For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father in heaven. Today, if you've never done this, it's time. 
It's time to make the greatest decision of your life. Invite Christ into your heart. Ask forgiveness of all your sin. The cross was stained red with his shed blood, which paid for the sins, all my sins and all your sins. Today I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. But it's a prayer that will change your life forever. Right up to eternity. So if you haven't received Christ, this is your opportunity. So I'm going to say this prayer. In fact, can I have everyone say this prayer together out loud? Can we do that? Let's pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood on the cross to pay for my sins. Please forgive me for every sin that I've committed. Come into my heart. Be Savior and Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen and amen.